Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of the Attacking the Championship podcast. I'm your host, Tom Butterfield. And before we go any further, let me welcome our resident guest, our certified analyst, our scout, our FA licensed coach and intermediary, David Bromley. How you doing, David? Hi, Tom. I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, I'm good man. Well. Good I'm looking man. Forward to today. Yeah, you revved up and ready to go. Absolutely. <laughs> good man. Good man. So, um, what are we going to be talking about today, then, David? Well, we're going to finish our little round of reviews of our three playing roles. Fantastic. We've talked about strikers. I think in episode six, wasn't it? It we was indeed. Yes. The chance creators in the last episode, episode seven, and now that leaves our final player role, which is the attacking support player role. Maybe I should just sort of do a quick update of if you've if you listened to last week's episode, episode seven, I think I talked about the numbers a little bit and and said there were six hundred and seventy seven players in the championship at the moment, and nearly sixty percent of those you could class as attacking players and we've classed them as attacking players in our mm-hmm. in our analysis. And we as I say, we broke those down into the three roles. And then I looked at each one. There's 136 players in the championship at the moment who we've classed as playing an attacking support role. Okay. So that they're the kind of basic numbers. Good stuff. So, okay. So that's that's good. So we've got our 136 players who are sort of within our sample size. Can you just go back a little bit? Just remind us what we mean by an attacking support player, and then how do we measure their contribution towards their team? Well, the attacking support player is really, in a way, by a process of elimination, you could take the the, the attacking players and you could say, well, if he's not an outright striker. Mm-hmm. I think we know what we mean by that. And he's not a, a chance creator. Who, so the, the outright striker is pretty easy to get your head around. It's the it's the old-fashioned sort of number nine, in a sense. The, the player whose mi- main responsibility is to score goals. Mm-hmm. Um, the chance creator, as we define them, is somebody whose primary responsibility is to create the goal-scoring opportunity. And they'll tend to be the winger's and the outright attacking midfielders. So if you, if you're an attacking inclined player, but you're not one of those two, then you fall into this third group of attacking support players. And we could start from the perspective when we when we think about well, what do we, how do we measure their contribution? Mm-hmm. You could start by thinking about the main objective, of course for the team is to score goals. We we actually, on this pod, we've gone on about how important goals are. Absolutely. um, Probably more than than most have because we see it as being what we've established, really, that they are um, instrumental in teams winning matches and teams winning matches are instrumental in teams finishing higher in the division. Exactly. So you could start with the, the objective, of the main objective of the goal and say, well, in order to score a goal, you need to have a goal-scoring opportunity, mm-hmm. which fairly obvious, and we call them chances. I mean, that's a you know that's a universal term. In order to get a chance, the ball has to be manoeuvred into an area of the pitch where you can create a chance. So, yeah, technically, I guess you could say, well, a chance could be created from anywhere on the pitch. You know, a right back could get the ball down by his own corner flag and launch it 
hopefully, and it could just happen to land in the perfect position and defender slips and it gets caught by the wind and it lands in the, t- the attackers one-on-one. That could happen, and variations of those kinds of things mm. will happen in the course of the season. You wouldn't want it to be your main attacking option, would you, I suppose? It wouldn't. It would, <laughs> it would be a hopeful kind of uh, attacking <laughs> plan, wouldn't it? So, yeah, that, that kind of thing can happen. But generally speaking, what you're looking to do is to manoeuvre the ball into certain areas of the pitch where mm-hmm. those kinds of opportunities to create goal-scoring chances are, are easier to come by and are most likely to happen. Okay. So the the question really arises from that. Well, then, what position is it we're trying to yeah. move the ball into, and how might we do that? Mm. You know, what what are the different ways that these players might do it? I really liked what you uh, we were having a chat the other day about it, and you you did the thing with the the zones of the pitch. Right. That was really good. So. Maybe you can talk to us about that. That'd be really interesting. Yeah, well, it came from, I think, going, I was thinking about this. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you think about the actual geography of the pitch. And this isn't, I mean, this isn't my idea. This kind of goes back, as far as I understand it, to um, Renus Michels, the Dutch okay. yeah. head coach yeah. in the 70s. And the idea. They had of, a decent team. They had a decent team, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. And actually, when pretty you good. think about it, there is a there is a line from that team whose sort of main sort of um you know main protagonist was young mm. Cruyff. Mm-hmm. And then Cruyff's protege was Pep Guardiola. And so you can sort of see there's a line yeah. from from that team. But what Mickles did was, as far as I can kind of figure out, is he came up with this idea of positional play. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is very much topical at the moment. Yeah. Um, so you look at the pitch and you look at the geography of the pitch and you break it down and you say, in this particular case, I think he broke it down into 18 zones. So if you imagine in your mind's eye um, a football pitch where it's in portrait mode, where your goal is at the bottom and your opponent's goal is at the top, Yeah. then the, the pitch is broken down into as I say, these 18 zones where three three zones wide and six mm-hmm. zones tall. Gotcha. Um, so you'd number them from, if you think about your own left-back position, which is right in the left-hand corner, you'd number mm-hmm. that zone number one. You'd move across the pitch, two and three, and then you go up a level and go back to the left-hand side, and that would be number yep. four, five, six across the pitch. So there'd be nine zones in your half, yeah, and they would be one to nine, and then there'd be nine zones in your attacking half or your opponent's half. Gotcha. And they'd be ten to eighteen, and then they'd be numbered in that way. So that's been kind of developed a bit, um, and I think, for example, Guardiola has twenty zones in his, of course, yes, way of looking at things. <laughs> and and he's, yeah, I think he's he's kind of looked at because obviously things develop, you know. Yeah people get these ideas and they develop ways to try and exploit those ideas. And then other people who are charged with trying to stop them, they get ideas of how to stop them. So you have to develop them on, but generally speaking, it's not a bad way to think about um, Hmm. what we're talking about. Now, 
if you think if you look at the pitch and i think we're going to put some graphics yeah yeah we'll we'll certainly be um we'll certainly be attaching the 18 zones that you were just talking about there david we'll we'll make sure we we put that document a pdf into the um into the show notes and if we are if you are watching and listening to this on youtube then it will be up as we're we're talking through it as well so we'll uh we'll certainly do that for you okay that's good well if you look at the, the pitch broken down into these zones the zone known as zone 14 has become something of a star of, right. of, of the zone population <laughs> and that's the zone that's just outside your opponent's penalty area central mm-hmm. and just outside the penalty area and it's where you're typical number 10 would do his mm-hmm. do his work the sort of between the lines area isn't it it's yeah. sort of between the midfield line and the defensive line that's where you'd sort of put that zone isn't it it is yeah and gradually over time that again that's become you know something of a sort of star and there's been a big fight about you know how can we dominate this zone as an attacking team and a defensive team will say and of course for the defensive team it's their zone five that's the their corresponding right. zone yeah so they'll be looking at it perhaps saying how are we going to make sure that our zone five is impregnable or as mm-hmm. difficult to exploit as we can so there's been a lot of squabbling and you know ideas attacking and defensive ideas created to do with this i mean the reason for this is i suppose obvious in a way but that's an area you can take a shot at goal and you can probably more easily pick out teammates who are making runs uh, and those runs will, will, if you can find that teammate, then they're going to be dangerous that you're mm. going to slide players in. They'll be in the penalty area when you've played yeah. that pass. And we know, you know, that we know where goals are scored. And again, we've talked a little bit about expected goals and, that's, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of work done on that, and generally speaking, they're scored in that. Well, this in this parlance, it'd be zone seventeen. Yeah. Um, so, which pretty much act- makes up the entire penalty area, doesn't it? Zone much, seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. th- this this is uh you know you can it's easy to see why this is so important this area. Mm. Um, so now it's not the only dangerous area. It's not the only area that you might consider playing the pass to and and wanting to dominate. And you can, we can say a lot of things about this area, and it, they're probably bare saying, actually. Um, if you look out wide, and you're looking at zones 13 and 15 either side of this, mm-hmm. and they'll lead you further forward into zone 16 and 18, and they, they, they tend to be the areas where the wingers will operate. Mm-hmm. Well, analysis of, of um, chances created and goals scored have demonstrated really that crosses are not a very fruitful way to try to, to attack. You know, they're, mm. they're nothing like as fruitful as you would tend to think. Okay. Um, you know, that that's not to say that they can't be mm-hmm. well exploited, but they're nothing like as fruitful as the forward pass. So I think the forward pass from mm-hmm. zone 14 is four times or more as productive really? as, as, a, as a wide pass. Yeah, it might even be a lot more than that. I mean, uh-huh. I'm not up. To, I haven't got all the up to date data, but there's been a lot of studies mm. done on this. Um, yeah, and and suffice to say that 
generally speaking, if you can get... But the point about this is, if we're talking about attacking support players, I would think of this as being, if you can get the ball into zone 14 in an intelligent way, that's the equivalent of your goal as a mm -hmm. striker. Yeah. You're an attacking support player. Mm -hmm. you no. Know, now, what do I mean by that? What do you, you might say? What does he mean by an in, in an intelligent way? In other words, we don't just get the ball and lump it in there. You know, well, I <laughs> yeah. know where zone 14 is. Yeah. I'm going to make damn sure this goes in it. <laughs> well, that's fine. But first of all, obviously, you're going to make sure that there's someone there to receive it. But it needs to be done in a certain way, too. It needs to be the players that, 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 uh, effectively exploit that zone are certain types of players. Players who understand space. They're players who are happy to receive the ball on the half turn. They're players who play with their head up. Players who, and I don't want to kind of make this a coaching lecture or anything. But no, 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 it's they're, interesting. They're players who, who will look to play the ball forward and have hmm. the vision to see where the runs are being made or where the space is opening up. So, it's not a case of, well, we've got a player in zone 14, I'm going to hit it into zone 14. It's a question of who who is in zone 14? Is he the mm -hmm. kind of player who can exploit that? And is he in space? Where would I pl play the pass? And, mm -hmm. you know, what would I do? Or would I try to drive into zone 14 myself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that which leads you on to, there are different ways you can manoeuvre the ball. Mm -hmm. um, what we've tried to do, this is kind of all, I think this is worth talking about because when we come to look at, as we're going to the top 10 um, chance, uh, sorry, attacking support players, I think it's going to be a lot more interesting if we've got this foundation. Yeah, yeah, it gives people a good foundation of, of, of what to look at. And we'll probably get people who watch these players every week so, sort of thinking, ah, well, this player tends to take people on or this person tends to, you know, forward passes and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think it's well worth going through. Well, there, there are ways that we measure, we've tried to measure their effectiveness. So it isn't all about zone 14, but it's just a good example of how we've tried to measure it. We've tried to measure how do these players manoeuvre the ball into the areas where the chance creators and sometimes the strikers can take advantage of it. Because that's their primary role is is to is to develop the build up play to an area where you can be dangerous and you can you can take action that you know is in pursuit of the ultimate objective of scoring a goal. So that's why I went backwards from the goal to the chance to the to the build up play. And so we've got a way of being able to use the metrics we've got. Um, and sometimes you have to use a proxy because you, you don't actually have exactly the metric you might like to have. Sometimes you don't have, for example, you know, how many times has this player made a pass to this type of player in this mm -hmm. particular position? Yeah. You, you haven't got all the information you'd love to have, but you can use, you can use different metrics and their combination can get you where you kind of want to be. Um, and that's what we've tried to do here. We've tried to look at these players and see which ones seem to be progressing the ball into these areas. So really, it's a build-up, Tom, from mm -hmm. you've got attacking support players whose job it is to manoeuvre the ball into chance creation areas. You've got chance creation players who've got whose main 
responsibility is to create goal scoring opportunities and then you've got strikers whose main responsibility is to convert the chances so yeah. it's, it's kind of satisfying it's you know? a funnel isn't it no, yeah. it's that it's that funnel and and i think we've in the past looked at teams haven't we and we've tried to figure out where their attacking players may be breaking down you know where they need to be improved and that's kind of where the recruitment side comes in doesn't it where you can yeah. try and identify where the uh, the team is lacking perhaps and then trying to find players with the characteristics that you'd need to feed your chance creators or feed your strikers or to finish the chances from your chance creators uh, yeah. and see where they come so yeah it's You're right. um, yeah because you can look at the funnel and say well we seem to be feeding a lot of material into this funnel for want mm -hmm. of a better word yeah um and it's not being converted it's not coming out the other end if you like mm. to yeah. the degree that we'd like it to where is it mm -hmm. breaking down yes it might not always be in the same place might it so no that's right that's so that that's so it's it's maneuvering the ball into certain areas and mm -hmm. then it's how how are they doing that because there are different ways that you can do it as a as a player you can you can make a pass from open play you can mm -hmm. make a pass from a dead ball set play you can take your opponent on and the process of taking on your opponent and beating him will open up space in itself yeah so that opens up space and maybe you're driving into the zone yourself so maybe mm -hmm. like we said about the chance creators sometimes they're creating chances for themselves mm -hmm. and that's perfectly valid yeah and like and so sometimes the attacking support player is maneuvering the ball into an area where they will create the chance mm. so it's not necessarily just trying to pick out a number 10 or a winger it's sometimes seeing that opportunity to go past your opponent and open up the space. Yeah. It can be um it can be a defensive action, it can be a tackle, it can be your attack has broken down, but you're aware of wanting to win the ball back quickly in a very dangerous area. Mm -hmm. And there can be players who have done that very effectively. And we all we can all sort of run the we can run that little bit of film in our minds, can't we, and see yes. that happen. Yeah. you know the timely tackle that then opens up another another opportunity there was um there was a game uh, the the game last night england v italy and i remember a few times where not necessarily in that sort of zone 14 but um maybe in zones zone 13 or or 16 um italy were playing down in that side and jude bellingham made a tackle uh, that just broke up playing and enabled England to have a shot. I don't think they scored from it, but they got, you know, uh, a shot on goal. And um, yeah, I guess it's those those sorts of things, isn't it, that yeah, uh, that, that sure. can cause you know create these chances. Yeah, and and those things can fly under the radar, can't they? Yeah, well, I was I was going to say that would be something that I wouldn't have thought of. So I'm I'm glad you mentioned it because I'm I'm thinking of you know the passes, the take ons, and. And that sort of thing, but the the defensive side of it, you wouldn't have thought so. You know, it wouldn't have been in my in my head. But I guess that's where the the, the pressing comes into it, doesn't it? Because we've talked Absolutely about teams that is. press, yeah, yeah, seem Which, to do I, better. It's probably not a coincidence that along with this um, positional play mm. concept goes the high goes the uh, the quick press. Yeah, when you lose possession early, mm. high up the pitch. Yeah, and they go hand in hand. Sure, and, and I don't think it's a coincidence that because there's a recognition of 
the ball is in this zone and that's an, a dangerous zone for my opponent. And mm -hmm. until he's played the ball successfully out of that zone, I can still win that ball back. Sure. And we've still got possession in that dangerous area. So the mm. press and the defensive action in certain areas are really, really important and really potentially very valuable to the team. Absolutely. No, that's, that's really good. Um, so there's, and we can look at players that have, have managed to do those things um, successfully. So we're sort of trying to build up um, the, the backdrop to how we've, well, the type of player we're looking at this, this in today's episode, who is really the rest of the, you know, they'll typically be, say, a central midfielder who isn't necessarily classed as a, an attacking midfielder, an outright 10, mm -hmm. or he's not a winger as such, but um, yeah. he'll be in there not just to break up, break up the play, um, which incidentally, I think that's, you know, the rise of the, of the, of the screen, screening midfielder, the, uh, the, the almost exclusive, exclusively defensive midfielder who plays in front of his back line. Mm -hmm. is to address this area of great argument, this 14-stroke-5. Yeah. Yes, that sort of central defensive midfielder, I suppose, it, it, the six that we, we call yeah, it now, you, not the four, as I would have thought it'd be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so their version of a goal, I know we're not talking about defensive players, but their version of a goal would be to keep a clean sheet in, in zone 14, wouldn't it? You know, to, be, to allow no chances created from that zone. It would, yeah. Just mm. to make sure you, you you can't there's no space to exploit in that yeah. area, yeah. To protect yeah, that area. So, I mean, other than those players, really, it's the rest of the midfielders. I would have said, mm. you know, you've got outright defenders, and then you've got some midfielders whose brief is more or less just almost exclusively defensive. But the rest of them, who mm. we haven't already put into a category, would would be in this category of attacking. So from a from a zone point of view, if you go back and reference our diagram, that would probably be they would be dominating the zones seven to twelve. So sort of when when you're attacking, they would tend to be, you know, in the opposition half, just in the opposition half and, and just just ahead, but no further forward than than that generally. You know I think they probably if you looked at their their heat maps, yeah, their mm -hmm. average position probably would be in that area. Yeah, it's an oversimplification, but, isn't it? Yeah, but, but they would get forward. You know, I think if you think about some of these players, you know, they would get forward. Mm. They probably get forward more than you think. Yeah, because when the team is is attacking, everybody's in the opponent opponent's half. It, the defenders mm. are probably on the halfway line. Yeah, so. You know, it, there isn't a lot of space. They've got to, you've got to be a bit further forward. So actually, yeah. I think they'd probably be, they'd probably be quite often in, in those sort of thirteen to fifteen. But yeah, generally they're they would occupy those middle six areas, mm. uh, and then they're trying to move the ball into those yeah. attacking zones yeah. for the chance creators to to get it to the striker. Yeah, but you get things like you know you get things like one twos where they're they're trying to provide angles to go past players so they'll find themselves going past players and they'll end up quite far forward. Yeah. Or they'll have to beat a player mm -hmm. and then there's space ahead of them. So they'll drive forward and they'll make a progressive run. So yeah. That, that's... And that's and that's the thing we're 
we're giving those players credit, aren't we? You know, if, if those yeah. players have have done those things and then pass the ball, you know, a little through ball, perhaps they've played a one-two with someone in zone 14. They've put a little through ball to a the, the wide left midfielder into zone 16 and he's cut it back to the striker who knocks it in. The assist would go to the winger and the goal would go to the striker. But usually that attacking support player wouldn't get recognised, but we're mm. we're giving them credit for that, aren't we? Yeah, we're 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 trying to recognise that mm. it may be that certain players are more likely to be doing those things, mm-hmm. and that's valuable. Yeah, so if you absolutely. Work backwards, you know, you don't score a goal without a chance being created. Yeah, and you don't create a chance without being in an area where you're likely exactly. to be able to create a chance. Albeit, we've got the caveat: we know it's possible to you know, run the length of the pitch and create a chance. But generally speaking, it is a progression yeah. of the ball, isn't it? I so, think it I, I think it comes, you know, there's a there's a certain mentality as well, I think a player has to have as well, isn't there? Where they they have to be willing to get into difficult areas because you know when when you're in possession, generally I would say, you know, and again it is a generalization, but from an attacking point of view, the the further up the pitch you get, the more pressure there is and the less time you have to do what you want to do, don't you? You know, there's more urgency around the defensive actions Mm -hmm. um, and the more uh, decisive the press is. So you could quite easily have a central midfielder who plays, you know, plays across and never plays a pass into zones 13 to 18 ever. And they've got wonderful pass completion statistics. And this is one of my bugbears of statistics is is they'll say oh this guy's great you know 98.9 percent you know pass completion from center midfield and to me i just think this guy's playing without a pair of you know he's he's obviously not tried anything difficult Mm. you know during the game he's not tried to affect the game in an attacking sense at all he's more than likely gone very sideways um not under much pressure uh, at all, I, I don't know what you think about that. No, you're. I think you're absolutely spot on. There's a, there's a risk reward. There's a payoff mm. going on there. Where you know, if you try to do something difficult, assuming that it's something worth doing, you know, not just being difficult for the sake of it. Yeah. But if you try to do something difficult and you succeed, the likelihood is that there's a reward for that. Mm. Whereas if you want to just concentrate on doing the easy thing. That you may succeed all the time, but there's yeah. not much reward. No, that, that is the way it goes in in where it's the way it goes in life as well. Yeah, not yeah, just definitely in football, but yeah, it, it, it's certainly the case. You sent me an article about um, trying to identify ways of um, giving credit to players for operating in the best interest of the team. That's right. Yeah, and and looking at, at metrics which are sort of team. Mm-hmm. centric rather than right. individual centric yeah. if that's such a word um, yeah because that's the future of you know success is try to encourage and reward those actions that are going to bring about a successful team yeah. event rather than you know as you say just well, look at my numbers they're brilliant yeah but mm-hmm. what have you done for the team but i mean yeah. that's a, probably a digression but it is it is it took speaks to what you're yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's a valid one though because it would be interesting to see if if these more successful attacking support and more successful um, chance creators 
whether there's a relationship between the amount of chances they create or, or the numbers that they have and inversely to their pass completion rate. You know, so whether their their overall pass completion rate is relatively lower compared mm. to others who maybe don't have as good chance creating numbers. If if you yeah. see what I mean, yeah, I don't no, know whether yeah, that would, would be, be the case or not. Be interesting to look at that. Yeah, I remember watching a, a game in a World Cup. I forget which World Cup it was. Uh, well, the Angel Di Maria was playing for Argentina against Switzerland. It was nil nil going into the last minute of extra time, I think, and, and Argentina ended up winning it. Di Maria got the assist to probably to Messi or something, <laughs> usually to, to win the game. Right? And yeah. But Di Maria had, had been trying to create chances all game and they just weren't getting there. You know, he was trying the through balls, he was trying the crosses, all that sort of thing. And they weren't quite getting to their target. And at the end of the game, I remember one of the commentators saying, you know, oh, you know, lucky Di Maria saved his game because he was awful today. You know, just look at his past completion rate. And it was something like 61% or something. And I'm sort of tearing my imaginary hair out mm. <laughs> and saying, well, but he's actually tried the difficult passes all game. He's been trying to do something to affect the game in a positive way. Mm. And it just didn't happen. But he didn't let it stop him from keep going and keep going and keep going. And he ended up helping to win the game yeah so um yeah that that was always a thing that that stuck with me to be honest yeah well you know it's it's there for sure the, the most rewarding thing to do is harder than the least mm. rewarding thing yeah and, I, uh, I agree yeah so we've tried to recognize that yeah good stuff so which players have been the biggest contributors so far in the attacking support so i'm sure you've got the numbers for us david so we're looking at this list and these charts below mm -hmm. again it's, if you're driving you do, uh, <laughs> yeah you probably do best not to that, you know, it <laughs> might, we're not just gonna we're gonna try and make this a little bit more mm. come to life than it might otherwise but so we've all we've the charts will be all the charts will be in the show notes as, as as always so you can go back and click on those as you go through if you are able to do so so do, do you want to look at from 10 to 1 again yeah, let's let's do that. Week. Let's let's do a good old fashioned countdown. We'll go ten to one. In tenth place, we've got Matt Grimes at Swansea. Okay, there's a couple of things to say about this. This list, it's not just the straightforward. Well, who's done the most of these things? Mm -hmm. What it is is it takes into account the items or the metrics that we think are a good combination. What we've just talked about able to manoeuvre the ball into difficult areas or or, or rewarding areas. Mm. But it also is modified to take account of the, the player's team and how attacking they are generally. So the, the argument being, if you're playing for a team who dominates games, they dominate possession, they dominate territory, they dominate mm -hmm. chance creation and goals and so on, well, then it's going to be a bit easier for you as an attacking player to register good numbers. So, yeah, so the idea is we've tried to modify the numbers to take account of, you know, the, the team that the player is playing for. Um, so Matt, Matt Grimes is at number 10. And if you want to have a look at Matt Grimes' yeah, let's have actual figures. So we've got these two dimensions again, which we've used in all of our 
reviews of, of each of these player roles. We've got how prolific are they? So how many of the thing that we think they need to be able to do have they actually done mm-hmm. per 90 minutes? And then how opportunistic? And in this case, we're, we're looking at how many times has they got into areas where we think that could happen? It's a bit mm-hmm. difficult to explain in this case, but it's a bit like the striker who you say, well, look, he's only scored three goals in 10 games, but he's had six good chances and he's missed three of them. Well, does he get some credit? Yeah. You might argue the other way. You may say, no, he should be, you know, back on the training ground. No, but- as a, as an ex-striker, um, I think, and, and I always say to, to strikers, you know, you get credit for being there to miss. Yeah. Because if it's when you're not missing chances, that's when you need to worry. Right. When you're not getting into the position. Yeah, exactly. Because you're, you're not getting into positions. Best we can, we've tried to look at these from both perspectives. We've looked at it from the perspective of how many have they actually registered mm-hmm. and then how many of they, how many things have they done which ordinarily might lead to registrations of those of those things. It's hard to, I haven't explained yeah. it very well. But so if what we tried to do is take these both these things into into consideration, and there are different ways, and I'll show you in a minute what I mean. There are different ways that you can achieve a, a good overall score. Uh-huh. You can either be very prolific or you can be very opportunistic, because we've got this view that there's a reversion to the mean potential going on mm-hmm. all the time so yeah. a player who is constantly getting into positions to do things but they don't quite come off may well enjoy the opposite so he may well enjoy some periods where he's not getting all that you know he's he's, he's over he's over producing mm-hmm. from the chances he's getting so yeah um we're including those as being positives don't know if I've really explained that very well. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's the thing because the execution isn't always down to you. I, no, I think, you know, if, if you play a fantastic through ball, it may be that the defender does a fantastic piece of defending, the goalkeeper reads it very well, you know, you, you're given offside when it shouldn't be. All these different things that you're not in control of as an attacking support player. But what you can do is you can get in, into position to do those things. Well, and, and like you that, say, because you've you've actually said what I should have said. <laughs> okay, it completely passed me by. <laughs> that you picked up. Because one of us is awake. <laughs> That's so, why we're a team, David. <laughs> so you're right. You're absolutely right. In this particular case, you're trying to create and provide opportunities for others. Mm. So if those opportunities are not exploited, mm-hmm. you're still getting credit for that. I was trying to desperately figure <laughs> out that you're right. That's absolutely right. So in this case, so what we are seeing is Matt Grimes is a little bit below the league average for mm-hmm. attacking support players in terms of the things that he's done that, that actually became became the objective. He's a tiny bit below for opportunism, but I think the reason yeah. he's in there, let me say this, I think the reason he's in there is you look at where Matt uh, Swansea are, Swansea are eighteenth in the league yeah. creating attacking output. So mm-hmm. even because you may say, well, hang on, how does he get in the top ten when he's not quite league average for both? I mean, he's not yeah. far off. Well, the yeah. reason is because in context, been very difficult for him. 
Yes. And what he's done is actually been quite quite creditable. So no, uh, we'll, we'll go back and look at. Uh, I picked out two players earlier who had different routes to the same kind of same end. So that that's that's Matt Grimes. So he's in there partly because of, as I say, Swansea not really being particularly productive attacking wise mm-hmm. so far. So number nine on the list is the Birmingham City player Ivan Sunjic. Very good, very well pronounced, David. I'm never sure if I've got this right, but yeah, that's what I call him anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Have to live with it. Birmingham so, supporters, if you've got a player that's very similar named, it's probably him. It's probably him. <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's not a million miles away. He's mm-hmm. slightly outperformed the yeah. league average. But again, Birmingham haven't been overly productive from an attacking point of view, at least, well, yeah, at all, really, because we've looked at the overall attacking output of the teams and we've ranked them 1 to 24. Mm-hmm. And I know Birmingham are sitting fairly comfortably in the division, but from an attacking point of view, they haven't produced a huge amount compared to yeah. the others. So Sunjic is done all right in in that context. So he's a little bit above the league average. Yeah, he's just slightly above, slightly outperforming where, where Grimes was, isn't he? He's yeah, just, just above right. league average for prolific and yeah. about the same as he was for, for opportunistic, isn't he? Yeah, he is. In number eight... We've got Hull City's John Michel Steri. Hull City are about halfway for attacking out mm. as a team. And he's outperformed in both respects. He's outperformed from, from a being a from a prolific perspective and opportunistic perspective. Which so, with uh, with his pedigree, you would kind of hope he would, wouldn't you? Because he's yes. you know, was was in the Premier League with Fulham, wasn't he, for a year or was, two? Yeah. A good player and mm. you know. I think they've it's one of one of their one of a number of good moves, I think, from a recruitment point of view in the summer. Yeah. So he's Absolutely. starting to come into his own. He's a but he he's a player. I think this is typical of what we're looking at, Tom. I don't know if you'd agree with this, but he's a player that probably wouldn't jump out at you as being, you know, it might pass you by. You might think, well, I don't know how he's doing really. But well, I, I think that's the trouble, isn't it? When so much is based upon goals and assists. Yeah. And and you might look at it and you say, Well, I don't know if he's scored. I don't you know, I've not seen him on any score sheets. So, I don't know, think he's scored a goal. No, he hasn't scored a goal. Right. Maybe he hasn't had a an assist, that that sort of thing. You know, mm. if he has not many. Yet he's outperforming the league average for his position from yeah. an attacking point of view. So you look at that and then you say, Well, you know, maybe this is why Hull City are up where they are. You know, if he if he wasn't there. Yeah. That reduces the amount of chances that are created. We're back to our funnel again, aren't we? Yeah. No, you you reduce the amount of chances are created, which means the strikers don't get as as many chances to to have. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it's 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 interesting. You know, I, I think if anything, I think we maybe came into the attacking support area with a little bit of trepidation of like, you know, how interesting is is this going to be? Yeah. But I think yeah. we've both actually found. Actually, there's more gold to be found in the attacking support. You know, more, more uncovered, more, uh, well, less obvious information in the attacking support than there is in the chance creators and the uh, and the strikers. Yeah, so that's I agree. I've I found that really interesting. I agree. I definitely. I was at one point was sort of thinking, look, how do we make this 
sound interesting even mm. if we think it is interesting but actually uh -huh. yeah it, it's it this is something that the headlines don't pick up isn't it yeah yeah and so i think it's it'll be interesting to see how these things develop i mean the other thing to say as we always do is it's 11 games out you know it's not even 25 percent mm -hmm. of the season so yeah we're gonna there's gonna be some volatility in fact i've got a confession to make which is i've actually excluded somebody from this list not manually i've still okay. followed a you know i could argue i've still followed the system i've excluded cafu from rotherham okay because he was number one in the list right thought, okay but he's not played much football he's played just about enough football to get him on the list but i've increased okay. the requirement from 50 percent of the of available minutes to 55 percent. so i'm sorry i yeah. apologize to him I'm sure he listens yeah. to the podcast, yeah, mate. Sure so, he does. Yeah. so if he, you know, if he continues to perform at that level, then yeah. you know, I'll be delighted to have him back in. But there you uh, go. So, that's 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 Cafu's main motivation is yeah. to get onto our top ten. I'm sure it's got to be. I mean, yeah. part of the reason he would have been in there would have been because of Rotherham's relatively, you know, scant sure. uh, yeah. attacking contribution as a team. Yeah. But even so, you know, he was there. But I thought he's not well, a right back who smashes it from his own corner flag and uses the wind to <laughs> to get. I mean, it. <laughs> if he is, and if he can do it with great consistency, then yeah, you know, I guess he deserves a bit of credit. Absolutely, it doesn't matter. I mean, the goal's a goal, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So number seven, mm -hmm. we're going to Wales, not to Swansea, but we're going to Cardiff. Okay. We're going to see Joe Rawls. No, okay. Contribution. Mm -hmm. Cardiff are twentieth in the league. So again, they're right. You know, we do, we did touch on this before. Yeah. But th these players are getting credit for the context within which mm -hmm. they're playing and producing um, achievements, which I think is, I think that has merit. That idea. Mm -hmm. But you could wonder whether they're getting a bit too much credit, perhaps. But I mean, again, I think time will tell, won't it? Time's going to tell on that. Yeah, but he's still producing above the the league average for a team who are not producing much. And again, a team mm -hmm. who you look at the league table and say, "Well, they must—they're doing all right." They are, but they're not producing an awful lot. No attacking it, output. It looks a little bit like um, when we spoke about Preston earlier in the season they were they were top of the table weren't they after four or five games or something yeah. yet their game correct game changer score for attacking as a team was actually the same as Middlesbrough who were at the bottom yeah, <laughs> and right. we said well chances are you know Preston aren't creating many chances but they're being extremely clinical way above average yeah. Whereas Middlesbrough were creating quite a lot of chances and not putting them away. We felt that probably, statistically speaking, they're maybe going to get closer to each other. And ever since then, I'm afraid Preston have got an absolute nightmare of a run and Middlesbrough have nearly won every single game, haven't they? <laughs> the old reversion to the mean. Yeah, exa exactly. Yeah, that's, that's that it. Or it's our clever prediction. I've, I'm going to take the second. I'm... Yeah, take the credit, <laughs> why not? <laughs> I get a lot of credit. I don't think we'll take it where it comes. Absolutely, mate. Exactly. So, okay. Next up is Norwich. Norwich fans thinking, oh, this is obvious. Gabrielle Sara, who is doing 
pretty good work because yeah. Norwich are ninth and he's operating at sort of well above average mm. in both yeah, almost. From, from both perspectives. So that what he's doing is being supported by his teammates. Yeah. You know, I know we've combined all of this and wrapped it all up and we're not picking it apart and going, well, he's done this in this, and you know, he's mm -hmm. created this number of these and that number of those. And, but I think it would be a little bit too difficult to follow if we did tried to do that. And you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to follow why is one player doing above another player when you're trying to compare mm. six different things. It's, it would sure. be just a bit too. Yeah. Um, it could get a bit, a little bit, a little bit tricky. So what remind me, to, yeah. remind me again when when we're looking at someone being prolific. So he's almost twice as as prolific, yeah, as the league average. Yeah. So what is he doing? Almost double of. Well, he, compared to the rest, he's he's involved in operations that have led to goals. Effectively, gotcha. yeah, yeah, in one way or another. So he may have been making passes. They could they could be. From open play, they could be dead ball mm -hmm. situations. They could be where he's taking players on and he's driving into areas where somebody's creating a chance or he may have created it himself. Mm -hmm. He could be having a shot that's been rebound, that's rebounded and somebody's taken advantage of that. He could have been yep. making tackles in those really important areas. Gotcha. Um, Good stuff. So he's he's doing a lot of that. He's doing almost yeah. double what you would expect him to he do. And then, and then the opportunistic, if you mm -hmm. ask me what that relates to, that's yeah. related to to outcomes that haven't necessarily led to goals, but they've led to opportunities to score goals. So he's participated in plenty of those as well. Slightly yeah. more than half, slightly more than the league average, I suppose, mm. of those. So. That's no, that's that's good. So that's that's the number that people wouldn't. These are the numbers that people wouldn't necessarily know about, aren't they? Yeah, I think like, so because because they're not the assists, they're not yeah, the goals. They don't, get, they don't get a lot of exposure, do they? No, I mean we do, we talked about assists last week, didn't we? And the system in in themselves mm. have got yes flaws. Um, but we talk about assists, but and we talk about expected assists a bit and expected goals a bit, but nobody mm -hmm. really talks much about anything other than that so we're, yeah. we're trying to bring into the light a little bit things that might have been sort of hiding in the shadows for some of these players you know what the, the more the more we go into the attacking support the more interesting it is and, and the more you can see where teams in from the recruitment point of view could absolutely you know pick up someone who's completely under the radar i mean yeah, it's it's fascinating. So you you look at this and think, how many of these players in the championship are completely going under the radar that put into the right situation in the right style of play could just kick on, yeah, and um and really really shine. Yeah, well, hopefully some some fans of these play these teams mm. will say, yeah, well, we can see that happening when we watch yeah. our team, you know, because. With the best one in the world, unless you're going to watch every single minute of every single game, you know, you're not going to and study it, mm. not just kind of let it drift by. Yeah. You're not going to pick these things up, are you? When you watch your own team play week after week and you know the players and you know their games, you get a feel, don't you, for 
who yeah, is definitely. contributing, even though they might not ever score goals or, or mm-hmm. get much obvious mainstream recognition, you still yeah. are kind of aware of who's making a contribution, I think. So as you say, definitely. if you're looking at it from the outside um, and you want to know, well, who are these players and what are they doing, then this isn't a bad way to, to, to at least in the, Absolutely. In the first to in the initial stages to dig into it and we'll be doing that by the way i know we we did do some of it earlier in in the um in the season we had a sort of brief look at the global marketplace but there wasn't much data and the, the teams hadn't played much and you know there was a limited amount of conclusion you could draw from it at that stage but there'll be more won't there i think that'd be a great thing to do as as december ramps up as we get towards that january transfer window you know, to really look through teams because we'll have you know more games, more data, more understanding of where teams are doing well, where they're struggling in in this attacking funnel. Yeah, and uh, and we can really look at you know what players home and abroad are doing really well from it. It may be that we we look at certain teams and and we say, well, actually, the most appropriate players for you, three of them are already in the squad, yeah. so maybe that's not where you need to need to be looking. You need to be looking elsewhere. Yeah, but um, but be yeah, it'll be interesting. Really looking forward to that. So we're on to we're into the top five now. Oof, getting top five, and it's the team you mentioned uh-huh. earlier, um, who haven't had the greatest of times recently, mm-hmm. and it's Preston. Ah, okay. Alan Brown, and I suppose my first question to this would be: It would be interesting if we could get splits of. Yeah. You know how they've done, and you know has he has he scored goals? Has he, you know, has he not, and yeah. all that sort of thing. Well, first thing we can say is Preston are twenty second in the league for for attacking out wow. in general. So yeah. they ain't producing much. No, still still not. No, and Alan Brown's produced more than the league average in terms of his involvement in in moves that led to goals. So, you know, that's not a bad achievement. Yeah. Um, His involvement in moves that haven't led to goals, but nevertheless might have led to goals, has been a bit less than, well, less than the league average. So that's interesting. probably in line with where they are in the league, Tom, I would say. Yeah. So I I would imagine, and and again, just going to what we were talking about before, of if a player gets into tries to do the right things in the right areas often enough you know you might say what say one in one in six of my you know attempted through balls or, or whatever end up creating a chance you could say well this guy looks like he's maybe over overachieving a little bit because he's not really getting into situations his his actions are moving towards goal scoring uh, opportunities mm. so i i would expect Next time we go through, I'm going to hang my hat on this. <laughs> I would expect Alan Brown not to be in our top ten. Yeah. Uh, next time when we when we look at him, because it yeah. looks like he's overperformed early season, just like Preston did from a yeah. clinical point of view. Could be. Yeah, that's a fair point. Well, well so we'll see what you've said. <laughs> we get there, we'll find out. So that's why. <laughs> and again, maybe he's a little bit too high at number five, but that's where our currently mm-hmm. where our sort of algorithm puts him yeah so we're getting into 
an area now which I think won't be quite so surprising, uh, although there are some surprising things. So we're going to Watford now. Okay. Nimran Loser. Okay. I don't know much about this guy. Good player. I <laughs> yeah. like him. Yeah. He's a really good player. Well, you know, I like him anyway. Now, Watford are eighth for mm-hmm. attacking output. Right. He's solidly, Oof. you know, yeah. he's he's more than double yeah. in terms of his how prolific he's been. Mm-hmm. So how many how many times he's been involved in goal scoring moves um, and solidly above yeah. in the opportunistic stakes as well. So even where the team haven't scored, he's still been heavily involved mm. in good moves. Yeah. You know, so good attacking moves. So he's done so really well there. Yeah, so you'd expect his his above average numbers from a prolific point of view to continue if he keeps yeah. getting into those positions and, and you know doing he, what he's doing, wouldn't you? A funny feeling. He's not injured, is he? Because I don't know. He's played eight and a half nineties. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if he is or not. Actually, somebody might be able to tell us. Yeah, we'll check um, that. Yeah, maybe he isn't. Okay, but yeah, yeah, so, very know, impressive. Massive, yeah, it's impressive. Not a massive mm. surprise from. I've seen bits and pieces of him, and I've mm-hmm. been quite impressed with him. Passes the eyeball test as well, does he? Yeah, as well as the what that because because that's yeah because that's the thing, isn't it? I mean. You know, we're we're saying that the data is extremely important because it gives you an objective idea. But then, if we were looking to, if we were recruiting, for example, we looked at this mm. and we said, "Well, we're looking for an attacking support player, yeah, and, and we play a similar style to Watford." And this guy pings up on our list. You're not just going to put an offer in for him. No. <laughs> you no, know, no, you're no. you're going to send your you scouts to go and watch him, aren't Absolutely, you? So, yeah. so you, you want that objective data and the subjective analysis yeah. to, to marry up, don't you? To make sure you that, yeah. you know, it's, it's not just an anomaly. It's not, not going to be unkind to Alan Brown, but you know, it, it yeah, may be got, that they're, you've got they're, a write down on him. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Alan. <laughs> you know, it's nothing personal, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we might be owing an apology to Cafu and Alan Brown. Yeah, that's it. Brownie, if you can go. <laughs> See, we're, we're close, me Good and Brownie. Luck to you. Good luck to you. <laughs> if Brownie, Brownie proves me wrong, I'll be very happy. Yeah, nobody <laughs> will be more happy. I didn't you. I didn't put Cafu off the <laughs> list. That wasn't down to me. <laughs> that's right. That's true. Right, so we're now going to Leicester. That won't be a surprise particularly. Sure. Wilfred and Dede, number three. Mm-hmm. And Leicester are third. For attacking output uh-huh. generally yeah no he's surprise there really probably a surprise they're not even the higher yeah nearly three times the league average he would need to be posting numbers like this to get mm. that high in the in the list wouldn't he yes because he wouldn't have because they would have been you know these numbers by the way are not modified i'm mm. just showing you the actual numbers but the to get on the list the numbers that are being used to get them into the list in the first place are the ones that are modified which we're gotcha. not looking at because they're, they're these synthetic numbers that don't really mean anything. You know, mm-hmm. they're just once we've taken the actual numbers and then we've done the modifications. So these numbers, so he's, you know, he's been involved in nearly one goal per 90 minutes in some form or another. Wow. Which is pretty impressive, isn't it? That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people might say, well, you know, it's Leicester. If I was a, but mm. then remember that these these players are not 
Yeah, the, these aren't your these chance aren't creators or your strikers. Yeah, creators. or at least as far as we're categorising them and we're using our best endeavours to be as accurate as we can be on these. Hmm. And I do appreciate that there can be times, and I think mostly we're right on, and I think we're accurate mostly, but there can be times where a player is being asked to play a role that isn't yeah. his, his actual you know, familiar role and the role mm-hmm. that he would be categorised under and so that can be where things can go a little bit astray but yeah and they they could be perceiving to be overperforming or or if the role was a bit more of a defensive one they could be seeming to be underperforming for their position couldn't they exactly but yeah solid performer you know he's up there and he's where you probably would expect him to be Mm -hmm. um so i mean the only thing you might say is there's not a lot of scope there for Mm things to be better in a way you know it's a little bit like a hot streak isn't it yes yeah i I was i I was gonna i was gonna say that i I would say on on the opportunistic numbers you would expect that from the prolific side of it to come back towards that league average wouldn't you quite significantly well maybe not the league average because we're talking about leicester sure okay maybe but maybe not three times the league average yeah yes yeah i get you yeah no, that's a fair point to make. We're kind of learning a little bit as we go. Yeah, absolutely. The actual behaviour of some of these numbers. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, I don't, I'm not aware anybody's doing any of this. So I'm not, I'm not very familiar with how we expect the numbers to, to develop over time. Yeah. Well, I think that's the interesting thing, isn't it? You, we look at the numbers and we're making assumptions and they are assumptions, which can be dangerous at times, but... I think without asking the questions, you don't find out the answer, do you? No. Okay. So we're staying with Leicester for number two. Mm-hmm. I think everyone will probably have a very good idea. I would have thought. Who this who this number two is. And we're talking about Ian and Dewsbury Hall, um, who is not quite as prolific mm-hmm. as Ndidi, but he's producing more from an opportunistic point yeah. of view. In other words, there's a bit of scope there for his teammates to do a bit better with some of the, some of his mm. work. So yeah. this is looking like maybe this will sustain a bit more perhaps. I mean, as far as you can tell by looking at a few numbers after a few games, but you know, there's a bit of scope there for these, you know, th- things to even out in his favor a bit. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the more I look at this, I'm thinking, you know, just from my opinion, if I want, if I could choose one of these two numbers for my attacking support players to be high in, it would be the opportunistic side of it, Hmm. because that's the side that it feels like they've got more control over. Would that be fair to say? It might be. Yeah, it might be. Although you might say, well, you can't do much more than achieve the objective. Mm-hmm. But but yes, I, I do see where you're coming from on that. Because yeah. I, I would think if you're if you're in the positions and 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 doing the things, then you're probably going to feed more into the prolific side of it. Am I am I right or am I getting yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. Again, it's I'm not. I can't pretend that I'm. You know that I'm. I can predict exactly at all yeah. what's going to happen, but 
yeah it's sort of a, a theory that we can what you're saying yeah yeah which is rare isn't it if you if you, <laughs> if, you keep, if you keep doing the things that we think lead to the outcomes mm-hmm. you want even if they haven't done recently yeah over time you might expect yeah they would yeah no good stuff all right well that leads us to number one i don't think many people would have picked this no i would have picked cafu to be honest but <laughs> undoubtedly <laughs> undoubtedly <laughs> um, right well we're all the way down to plymouth and we're looking at finna's as oh nice and plymouth are, and i was surprised that plymouth are sixth in terms of yeah the number of the amount of attacking output so it's not he's not in there because he's somehow you know no getting extra credit because they're down the bottom mm-hmm. he's in there I mean, look at it. Look at he's he's solidly a, doing well in terms of you know how prolific he is, mm-hmm. but he seems to his opportunistic figure is Phenomenal. very high, it's double what yeah league average. So um, this sort of leads you to think there's some juice in the tank there. That if he's if the if the team can exploit some of the work he's doing, yeah, you know, could be better still. So. Nice to see that, really. Yeah, it, that's really impressive, and, and you know maybe that's helping. You know, with where they scored six goals against Norwich, and you know yeah. they've been turning some good results. You know, you, you sort of think perhaps this is gonna, with players like this on the team, perhaps this is gonna gonna continue. Yeah, well, it looks you know it looks good, and it's mm. not. And I mean, I you know I've seen a bit of him, but I haven't. I can't say that I know his game all that well. Uh-huh. Um, so I'd be interested to, you know, see yeah, definitely interesting to have a look. Yeah, no, I've, as you say, I think it's been quite revealing mm. to um, dig into some of the names that maybe don't always get the obvious credit. I mean, some of them have. I mean, Jupy Hall's scored a lot of goals. So yes, he's got plenty of credit. Yeah, um, but the, some of them haven't. You know. And that and that's the thing, isn't it? If you if you put a poll up, you know, if we put yeah. a poll up on on our Twitter page, for example, yeah. um, and we said who who is the top performing attacking support player, is it Dewsbury Hall or Finners Az? Yeah, I think you'd struggle. I would expect to see a ninety percent plus for Dewsbury Hall. Yeah, you'd think so. And maybe a third category of who does Finners Az play for? <laughs> you know, there there might be that, mightn't there, from yeah, from some might. people? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's that's really revealing, really interesting. I mean, that's from an opportunistic point of view, that's pretty phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, it also makes you start to think about the different playing styles of the teams, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You think, yeah. Well, because we haven't, you know, all due respect. How do you factor that in, really? Maybe Mm. you can, but I mean, we're not at the point yet where we're trying to do that. Where we're trying to say. An attacking support player playing in this system mm-hmm. is going to have a better chance of recording good numbers than if he's playing in that system. So that's our top 10 done. Now, you mentioned that there were two players that were uh, performing in a similar way, but maybe got there in, in, in different fashions. I did, and I would have forgotten that if you hadn't reminded me. But well, I did look down player. at my little list there, so that was the only yeah. thing that reminded me. Okay, so I mean, the two players are mm-hmm. 
we've already talked about Wilfred and Didi, mm-hmm. who is kind of three times as prolific as the league average, yeah. but lower in opportunistic terms. And he was the mm-hmm. one that you were slightly concerned as yeah. to whether he would be able to keep that up. Sure. Which I understand. But if you look at Hayden Hackney, he... Yeah, hits, England under 21 international. Yeah. Well, he's not been very prolific. I mean, he's been a quarter of the league average. Okay. And Middlesbrough are actually seventh in in their output, their attacking output. Okay. But he's fairly solidly above the league average for opportunism, even though he's being kind of knocked a little bit. For, well, he isn't, though, in these numbers. No, these are the actual numbers. So what I'm trying to show there is these two players have, have reasonably similar in where they've ended up in the list. Mm. Um, I know that... Um, well, indeed, he was third in the list, but they both—they're both. Hackney's ended up fourteenth, but they're both up okay. there in the top sort of fifteen. But they've yeah. come at it from a very different position, so you yeah. can see here that indeed he's, you know, quite high up on the opportunistic, but very low mm-hmm. in terms of how prolific he's been. Sure. Um, whereas it's been the other way around. So it's just—I was just trying to show you that, you know, you can. I think we probably covered that in where we've looked at these individual players, but you can find that one player has been, you know, given a lot of credit because the things he's done have led to goals and another mm-hmm. player's been given credit because the things he's, he's done plenty of things, even though they haven't led to goals. So, yeah, you know, we're trying to sort of hedge our bets in a way as, and say, well, if they're doing these things, then maybe they should get credit for both and, yeah, I, I, we'll see him change around a bit. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting because it it will. I would imagine, and again, I'm this is purely assuming that habits habits of players don't necessarily change too much. So people getting into areas, if their role, assuming their role stays the same and their their playing style stays the same, their opportunistic numbers. I would think would stay roughly around the same, whereas prolific numbers will maybe have a bit more of a swing to them. Yeah, like you say, now, you mentioned about hot streaks and stuff. You, I think you, you would yeah. feel that you're more in control of of what you're creating and less in control of what happens to it afterwards. Mm. You know, a bit like we talked about the expected assists last week, where yes, if you can produce good numbers of for expected assists, then you know you're out. It's out of your hands after that, really, whether it becomes exactly. an assist is you're still doing your job. Yeah, we put a little that. video on our we put a little video on our Twitter feed, didn't we? Yeah, we did uh, about that. ranting about that, didn't we? <laughs> you, you captured my rant. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I think it's a great point though, because otherwise it just ends up being what was the result. You forget about the actual process, you know, you forget about that attacking funnel uh, mm. moving into uh, you know, moving through those different stages. Yeah. So, and and I think this, you, know, you you mentioned this when we were speaking the other day. We talked a little bit about the the difference between positions and roles, didn't we? Yeah. And and how they can be different, and and how actually by splitting this funnel into three three sections, we've actually highlighted three different roles, haven't we? Yeah. And you know, it's and and at the moment we're saying, well, players classified on you know different websites and, 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 you know, different resources who are saying players are 
you know, midfielders or attacking midfielders or strikers, that's giving us our foundation for then assessing their performance in those different roles. But again, just before recording, we said, well, perhaps there are players who aren't, you know, classified as a as a uh, one of those uh, things. Maybe they are a, a fullback. Maybe they are a, a centre half. Who who knows? Who, without us knowing at the moment, are, are really turning some fantastic, you know, attacking support numbers or chance creating numbers. And we'll, we said maybe we'll have a look at that at some point just to check and see if there are any outliers out there. Be good. It would be interesting to do it, wouldn't it? Mm, yeah, it would. I think there are bound to be some some things going on that you know not perhaps what you'd expect, aren't they? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. no, we definitely want to do that for sure. No, fantastic. Um, but your point about um, what you said about uh, the the player being in control of more in control of um the chances that he's or the, the, the work that he's doing whether or not it leads to a goal mm-hmm. is more sustainable than it is the work he's doing that does lead to a goal mm-hmm. unless he happens to be scoring all the goals as well sure and that that's not inconceivable although it's very unlikely sure but mm. you know because of the, because you can get credit for you know, creating the chance and scoring the goal. Yeah. But, but I don't think we're t- talking about many of those. I mean, to be fair, Dewsbury Hall scored a few and he might have been involved in the moves and yeah. he may be getting double credits for some of those things. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, you won't be seeing too much of that. Um, it's hard to get your head around it because you get the feeling, hang on a minute, is he crossing it and then running <laughs> in the middle and heading it in? <laughs> that would be uh, impressive. That would be impressive. Yeah, I don't think we've got many of them, Tom. Um, yeah. So there's the top ten, anyway. Brilliant. Okay, so let's let's just run down that top ten again. So we had uh, we had Matt Grimes, Swansea City, number ten. Ivan Sunjic, number nine, from Birmingham. We had John Seri from Hull. We had Joe Rules from Cardiff. Gabriel from Norwich City. Alan Brown from Preston, my favourite. Imran Loser from Watford. Wilfred Ndidi was third from Leicester. Keenan Dewsbury Hall from Leicester was number two. And our surprise number one was Finn Azaz from Plymouth Argyle with some really impressive numbers. So anything to add to that, David? I think you've you've taken us through that fantastically once again. Well, no, I think that's, yeah, it's covered it really, I think, hopefully. Um, it'd be interesting to hear what, you know, fans of these players' clubs make of it and whether yeah. they're seeing some of this. Yeah, see if they, they knew that Finazaz was there or they're enraged that Cafu is not on the list. Yeah. Absolutely. And Alan Brown's family is going to phone me up and give me pelters for my lack of faith. And, of course, as we're moving through the episodes we're also trying to sort of up our game as well aren't we david so we've actually got a, a twitter or x account as it is now so you can find us at, at champ attack you can put any comments on there uh, we've got a few videos on there going through david's rant about assists a little bit of uh, talk through roles versus positions as well so we'd love to get a bit of a conversation going you know put your comments down we want to hear your opinions as well And uh, we'll hopefully see you in the next episode of Attacking the Championship. So we'll see you then. 
Bye-bye.